Hi, I am Carly, recovered alcoholic. Welcome to North Star Big Book. I am so excited because I'm doing this awesome series where I get to interview people from all over the world that I get to know through AA who also love the big book and this program and find it to be sacred. And what I love about this is we get to have the book and the pages come alive through the eyes of the people I get to ask. Today, we get to have a really awesome guy with us. Will you introduce ourselves? Uh, I'm David Dennis. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, David. What is your sobriety date? Uh, 7-31-1985. Happy anniversary. Um, so I'm in the space of an old timer, and I feel that is sacred ground, and I don't um, say that lightly. I was taught early on um, that we get to stand on the shoulders of giants here. And I'm sure that makes you feel uncomfortable, but I want you to know that your presence, whether I see you in meetings virtually on Facebook or wherever, or in Heinen's, um, makes me feel safe and makes me know that it's gonna be okay because you're staying here. And I also want the listeners to know that um, you gave me a massive gift that I'll never forget. Um, you saw a number of years ago, I was doing my first race uh, 10k for my son it happened to be the marine corps marathon which we have in our presence uh veteran thank you so much for your service and he gave me um he said that he wanted me to wear his pin will you tell us what that is it's a it's a, a globe and anchor it's a symbol of the marine corps and uh i had it on a marine corps hat that i used to wear and I, w I wanted you to wear it while you were running to honor the boys that, that I knew that didn't come home. And I did, and you didn't give me fair warning, David, that I was gonna be crying the entire time because I was gonna be running by Marines that were basically babies dressed in their uniforms, um, moms and dads with shirts with their kids' faces on it saying that they didn't get to come home. And, um, I remember I had like a runner's knee I was worried about and there was like guys there with blades and no legs running past me and I'm like, okay, this is so much bigger. And I felt, I felt the strength of you and all the people there. And I have a massive space in my heart for anyone that's been in the military. I just feel like you, I just, I feel honored. So I just wanted to acknowledge that. Thank you. We're a military family. My son, uh, Spent 28 years in the Army. And well, he I found out through my story that I'm a military family. I did not know that my papa on my dad's side got a purple heart. Is it a purple heart? He I have one. He on Normandy. And um, I found out that my great-great-grandfather was um, in the Civil War and was put in prison at that really bad one in Florida. So I feel like maybe the whole reason why I'm always drawn to you is because you're like family. Yes, that's true. Well, the, the, that's twofold. We're family because, because we're AA. Yeah. Big family. And uh, we're family because we help each other every time we see each other. Yeah. And you know what else? I really think in this time of this pandemic where there's so much uncertainty and fear and rightfully so, I feel like as AA members who are working the program, we have a leg up on everybody because we can handle hard things. Yes. You know, and now we get this awesome opportunity to see each other like on a screen when we normally wouldn't see each other on a regular basis. Right. right. 
So enough about that. We are on. Tell us what page we're going to be doing. Uh, 58 and 59, I think. How ironic that we're going to be reading How It Works, which when I first got sober at all the meetings I went to, they read this. And when I got sober in Athens, Ohio, the members in AA would like chant to each other while they were reading it. And so when I moved to Cleveland, I like did the chant and no one else did it. And I was so embarrassed. Um, but I can't wait to hear what you have to say. So take it away. Well, um, how it works, it, it took me, actually, it took me a few years to fall in love with these two pages. Uh, because I, I think, well, for me, for the first five years, I struggled with the steps. Why? Why? Um, well, I had, I had this God thing. It, 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 I wasn't a true believer. Yeah. And uh, I had seen... Uh, when I went through in Vietnam, I had seen man's worst humanity toward man and, 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 and the viciousness men can treat each other under these stupid war conditions. Um, and, and I would look back every day if, if I lost a friend or if we lost some people I didn't even know uh, that were in our unit, I would ask, why does God let this happen? And I carried that for a lot of years. Um, and, 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 you know, when I came in and, and they said, pray, and I said, okay, well, what am I praying to? Why? Um, and, and I struggled with this. And then I, I was at a Northeast meeting, and there was a gentleman, I cannot remember his name because it was 35 years ago. <laughs> but he was a dentist, and he was a really nice guy, and he took a liking to me. And, and I made that comment about the God thing. And he came up to me after the meeting, and this has always struck with me, and I say this in my lead, and he said to me, Dave, don't drink, pray, and you will be contacted. Hmm. And, and have you been? Yeah, oh, of course I was. <laughs> um, uh, not long after he said that. I, I love the simplicity of the members of Alcoholics Anonymous who just know what to say, when to say it, and that we need to hear it. Yes. And, and, and sometimes they don't even know yeah. that they're, they're what they're saying is, is going to help you so much. I have been helped so many times by a newcomer over th even 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I started going, I was invited to go to this meeting because they wanted, wanted people with a lot of sobriety to, to help them get it started. And I, it was a discussion meeting at, uh, uh, yeah. I can't think of the name of the, the oh, at uh, Notre Dame. Okay. And there was a lot of new young women at this meeting, and I learned so much from them uh, that, and, you know, I was sober a long time, but yet I was learning new stuff. And that, that's the thing about AA and, and 58, 59. You're constantly learning. And I was told that early on when I came in. You know, it, it, be a sponge. You're going to learn. Listen. Yes. And um, I listen to the old timers. Well, that's why I do the big book study over and over and over again, because, and that's why I want to hear it from you and from all the members that are going to join us, because I learn every single time someone else talks to me about the book. I hear yeah. something different. I'm a different person. You're <laughs> a different person. Me and you can go over this today and then again in a year and we'll hear different things and we have to remain teachable. Yes, and, and a, lot, a lot of times if I'm at a, a big book discussion meeting, 
something, somebody will read something in a book and I'll say, that's in there? Yeah. I've read we the book. We just added it recently. How many times have <laughs> I read? Uh, my book is a second edition. Mine's the third, so you've got a cooler one. And, and believe it or not, my late wife, Claire. Yes. No, my book, I think my book, yeah, is my book, yeah, I think mine's the second. Hers was the first. And I donated it to someone. Do you know what's so cool that you just mentioned, Claire? So it's just how we're so connected. Your late wife, Claire, was one of my first sponsors, one of her besties. And it's like, we're all connected. Like, we yeah. all, like, we, the people that are listening to this podcast, you know, there's people from literally all over the world that are now listening, and we're all connected. Yes. You're going to say something today that's going to help someone you're never going to meet, who's going to help someone you're never going to meet. Yes. Well, in, in, in the last year of Claire's life, there were so many women from AA. There was a, a row. Yeah. How, um, I, I can't remember all their names. But I mean, they you were, had literally so many amazing humans around you guys. 24 hours a day. Yeah. And they would, they would hand me my golf clubs and say, go hit golf balls. You're going crazy here. Just go and hit golf balls. And I would sit around the table with Roe and, and, and Holly and, and I can't remember all the other women's names. Some of them are gone. Uh, Roseo and, and. Oh, these are all my favorite people. These are like, I came in like a baby and they were like, there welcoming me. I, they were sitting around my dining room table with me. And, you know, I, I didn't realize it till later, but that was such an honor. Yeah. You know, um, and one of my sponsees who's still my best friend was here all the time with me. His name's Jerry. And, uh, and he would come over after work and sit with me. And uh, it was just, you can't get that. You can't buy that. That's the we of the program, that you yeah. cannot do this. We, AA always shows up. You cannot do this on your own. No, and, and uh, um, so they, they really helped me through that, you know, through her, her, her sickness and her death. And I will always be grateful. I'm still in the same house. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm getting That's it right. That's probably why you're such an incredible human is because what happens to us here is we get humbled by AA when they show up. And yes. then there, there's nothing, no one has to tell you anything. You just want to do the same thing for other people. Yes. You know what it feels like. And there's, there's something indescribable about that. Yes, it's so true. And people don't understand. People in the outside, well, I call it the outside world. Yeah. They, they don't understand that. You know, they don't understand what we have. You know, people at work say, because uh, there's a lot of craziness going on now. Um, I can't even imagine. You're literally on the front line. Yes. And, and some people just don't get it, and, and, and they get nasty. And, and my coworkers say, well, how do you stay so calm? Yeah. And I say, well... It's just, it's not worth getting upset about because they, they're in their own world. They don't know, you know, we don't know what hap what they're going through, what happened before they walked through that door. I mean, it makes me want to cry when I think about what we used to be, who we used to be, and like where we can get to today. Like the fact that you can look at people and I can look at people and know that there's got to be a story behind their attitude and their, the way they're treating us and that we when we're doing well, when we're getting our stuff cleared, that we don't take it personally. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, uh, because so why I, did, why did you eventually fall in love with how it works? Oh, because it, 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 it's a, uh, it's a, 
blueprint for me as to how I got sober. So when you first got sober, did they read this at all the meetings too? They read, they read this, how it works and the preamble. And I would sit there and listen to it. And then they would read the steps. And, and I, you know, I was, I, I had a sponsor who was, um, who, who was a step guy and he would every day he would sit down with me and we would go over steps and uh, um, and he would say you're getting ready to do your fifth step I, no I'm not <laughs> no I'm not going to do that one and uh, and he would say well you are and when you're ready you will and uh, and a, uh, a a young man named Joe M uh, who I, I was blessed because I befriended eight or nine guys and we ran together mm -hmm. we did everything together yeah and i'm still friends with all of them and and I'm, I'm really good friends with one who i play golf with all the time tim and and those guys carried they were all younger than much younger than me mm -hmm. and and they carried me. and and uh and they're, and they're all here mm -hmm. and, and that's a testament as to this program that all of these young people when i came in I was 30, 37, and that's old. I mean, you know, consent looking around now when I came in, I didn't, I didn't know a lot of the, you know, a lot of the old timers I know now, just the ones I would see at meetings, like Rob and, and, uh, I love Rob. and, and, but, but there were, there were a few old timers that went to Northeast all the time yeah. that I befriended and, and they were great to me. And I, and, and I went to their funerals. It's, it's, if you stay sober long enough, you're yeah. going to lose. Yeah. And, and, and that's also hard. But do you know what I do? I like to make them, the ones who got to die sober, I like to make them part of my higher power. Like God just like takes them all in and I hear Rose's voice and I hear Frank's voice and I hear Rose O and Phyllis and I just, I hear them all. I'll tell you a funny story about Rose O real quick. She, uh, I've, I don't know. I was sober a couple of weeks and, 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 uh, uh, I, I was at Northeast and she says, how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine. And she pinned against the wall with her bony little and finger. Just so the listener knows Rose O was like four, eight. Yes. <laughs> and she put her bony little finger in my chest and she says, you're not fine. And you need to go to talk to somebody about it. And, and that's the way she was. And, and, and with her just, whiskey laugh and cackle, <laughs> I mean, yeah. she was outside Tuesday Fairmount once, and I went up to her. I was freaking out. I'm like, how do I turn it over? I feel like I don't know how to turn it over. I don't know how to let go and let God. And she started laughing at me. And she yeah. goes, what made you ever think it was yours to begin with? And walked away. I like, yeah. love that kind of sobriety. Oh, oh they, they, well, there was, a, uh, uh, there was an old timer. who He had 44 years when I came in. And uh, Wow. Uh, I we were all standing here, a bunch of us new guys. And, and one of the guys said, how do you, 44 years, how did you do that? He said, don't drink and don't die. It's that easy. <laughs> True. Don't yeah. drink, don't die. Do the steps. Let's do it. Take us right. through. Um, well, the, the, my, the step I, I struggled with the most was again, number three. Me too. Was a God thing. Yeah. Um, I got to plug my unit in here. Plug your um, unit in. Uh, the, uh, because, like I say, the, the God thing, it was so hard for me to understand that, you know, that it, it really wasn't 
God that caused the war, it was man. Yeah. And man's free will to do that. And, and I always blame God for that. And uh, um, because you, you know can't. You what Ro Eugene always said about that? It really helped me. She said she told that story that I'm sure you've heard about the two nurses standing in the doorway looking at the boy that's crying, that's crying and screaming in bed because he's got burns all over his body. There's nowhere he can lay that he can be calm and just so much pain. And one of the nurses whispered to the other nurse, where's God now? And yeah. the nurse, the other nurse said, God's next to that boy crying with him. Yeah. And I love that idea that, because I also feel the same way you do. If you look at the world around us, you, you would say, where is God? But I yeah. like the idea, God is crying with us. God is furious at how we're treating each other. God is in pain watching all this. And that to me is a God I can believe in. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a, uh, uh, you know, instead of a, a hateful God that, that, is you know like my my mother always used to say God's going to get you for that mm -hmm. you know and uh, um, it is it's a loving God is a loving loving my higher power is a loving person and and they care about me and they want me to always do better and I pray for that every morning and um, you know going through how it works um you know the the uh, it says, but there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. And finding him or a higher power, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it takes a spiritual awakening. And, and a lot of people ballyhoo that. You know, what's it, a burning bush or, or you know, what happens to you? Well, what happened to me was I, I, I woke up one day and I had no desire to drink. I had no desire to run to the bar. I realized what I missed wasn't the drink. It was all the guys talking bull crap at the bar. And I didn't need that anymore. <laughs> and, and the, I was, Carly, I was so bad that, that when I got to my last workstation, um, that you, you get to, I was a mailman. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you bid on routes, you know, with seniority. And most guys would go to the route and look, see how many stops, how many streets, where to park, where to have lunch. I would go look to see where the nearest bar is and what time they opened. And that's how I ended up at my last place because it was a bar that opened at five in the morning. <laughs> and I up there and, and get a shot to stop the shakes. You know, and then pop a mint and go into work. And, and being an alcoholic, the post office was a great place to work. Because no one's on your back. No one can see you. You're right. on your own. And in those days, nobody, you know, you were, out, you were out there, you were doing your own stuff. Right. And I would come back drunk every day. So God watched over me. Yeah. Because I, you know, I did so many stupid things with a mail truck. I, I, can, I can't imagine. You know, so will you start us on 58 and start reading to us and take us through? Yes. It, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to the simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. They are, there are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. 
They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of gasping, grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. So wait, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. So one of the things that was really a game changer for me was I wanted to believe the lie that I was not capable of being honest. And I love the idea about capacity that they talk about here because I thought I couldn't be honest because I was never honest. But all they're asking is, are you capable of it? Like, yeah. is your, like the drink I'm having, this bubbly water, it has only 12 ounces. So it's capable of holding 12 ounces. It's also capable of holding four, but it's not capable of holding 15. And it was just asking me, if you got rid of all your junk, would you be capable of being honest? And they're not saying, like, for me, I thought I was incapable, but they're telling me here that it demands rigorous honesty, that if I'm going to do this and get better, I have to be willing to be honest. And that's uncomfortable for people like us. It is. It really is. It really is. Um, going. Um, their chances. Their chances are, are less than average. There are those two who suffer from grave emotional mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. And there it is again. Right. If you have the capacity to be honest. Are you capable of doing it? Yes. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, what we are like now. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. So at this place, I was told to stop and ask the person I'm working with those questions. Have you decided? Because yeah. I can't make you want it. And if you say, no, I don't want it, then I don't do anything with you because I can't force it upon you, right? And if they say they're willing to go to any length, I remember that and I remind them of that in a couple of pages when they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, you said you were going to go to any length. This is any length. Right. It, it is. Um, and of course, <laughs> at some of these we bought. Yes. We thought we could find an easier, softer way. So step three, you balked. I balked too. I almost yeah. left at step three. I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Well, I didn't, I didn't leave. I just, I, I play, I, you know, I played the game of going along with it. I, I, I faked it. Which is know. actually not a bad thing. No, I just kept going to meetings and, and because I like the camaraderie. Yeah. I, I, this in my lead uh, in the Marine Corps you're taught that that the guy next to you has your back mm -hmm. and the guy on your right the guy on your left has your back and and if I fell on that battlefield dead or alive somebody was going to carry me out that makes me and I spent years after I got out of the Marine Corps looking for that camaraderie and I found it in AA absolutely I mean there's no other place no if you stand if you're leading a meeting and you look around Every person there has your back. I mean, there was a time when I stopped going to meetings for a few months. And my phone rang every day. Dave, where are you? What, what's going on? You okay? We haven't seen you at a meeting. And that's, that's the way we have each other's backs. We show we up working. for each other. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. And that's hard for some people to be fearless. I was full of fear. I didn't know how to do anything else. And so that was me like you did. I just kind of kept going because I was like, I don't know how to be not afraid. And they're like, just keep showing up. Well, I, and that's it. I was afraid of, of going back to, to, you know, being 
I don't, you know, being a daily drinker again, I was afraid of that. I had nowhere else to go. I mean, my parents were seven years sober when I got here and I would never have come to AA if there was somewhere else to go. Cause they told me I was going to come here and I was like, I am not coming here because you said I was coming here. So I'm never coming here. Yes. And so like that was the last place I was ever going to show up. Yes. Well, I, I came here because I asked a person at a party, I was drunk and I said, do you go to those AA meetings? And he said, yes. And I didn't know him then. And I said, would you take me to one? Because I thought you had to have someone, t- you know. <laughs> right, you got to get in, like the mafia. Right. And he said yes, and he started taking me to meetings. He was my first sponsor. His name was John. Um, Some of us so tried to hold on to old ideas. I had to hold on to old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Remember, what we deal with is alcohol. Cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. His uh, half, excuse me, half measures avail us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. And there again, you, you just have to be willing. What happened to you around five years sober where things started changing? Because you said uh, for the first five years you were not wanting to do this. Uh, well, I met Claire. Yeah. So you met her in the rooms of AA? Yes, she asked me to you lead. You guys are a successful love story. Yes, she asked me to lead. And she and after the lead, she said, you want to go get some coffee? And I said, no, I can't. I have to get home. I, you know, I, 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 I was terrible at relationships. And Claire was- Right, because we're all so great at them in AA. And, and I, I said, you know, I said, maybe some other time. And she said, well, here's my number. And so I called her and, and the rest is history. Um, but, uh, I, you know, we started our relationship and I hit a wall. And um, uh, was she working the program then? Oh, yes. 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 Um, better than me. Yeah. <laughs> she knew it. And she was on, you know, <laughs> Claire was the only human being in the world that took my inventory and I didn't get mad about it. <laughs> That's because she must have been cute. And well, she was. She was adorable. <laughs> Uh, it's been 20 years since she's gone, and I, I still think about I her. I cannot believe it's been 20 years because I'm 21 and a half years sober, so I was a brand new girl when she was dying. And yeah. I remember going to Margot's house and landscaping for her and her crying and talking about Claire and knowing that there was this woman that all these women were huddling around. And that's yeah. the promises of the program. Like, if you show up for others, people show up for you. Well, what happened was I was – it turned out – that I was suffering from a terrible case of codependency. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to, uh, with Claire's help, I went to codependency treatment in uh, uh, near Columbus at a place called Halterman. And I was there for uh, 12 weeks. Wow. And uh, um, it, it, there was people there, there were people there with varying addictions. It wasn't just for alcohol and drugs. There were many addictions there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that helped me, too, to learn that, you know, it was just those on alcohol right. that, that people get addicted to. Um, something's wrong. Oh, okay. okay. I can still hear you. Keep going. You're fabulous. So you're okay. at half measures available as nothing. Um, we stood at the turning point. Uh, half measures veil is nothing. 
We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. And, and there again, suggested. Right. So the pro I want to make this clear because people get so confused about this. The program of recovery is suggested. And the program of recovery is the steps. There's not like you can't work the program but not work the steps. You're either doing the program, which is the steps, or you're not. But you're welcome to be a member of AA if you want to be a member. Right. You own, the suggestion we have as our solution is the steps. But you're welcome to stay here for 40 years if you want to never work the steps. I don't really want to have dinner with you, but like I welcome you. You know what I mean? <laughs> but and, and there again, it's hard to believe that there are people that can do that. I, it's scary. You know, because I remember hearing a guy lead one time and he said, I haven't been to a meeting in 20 years. And he said, it's okay if you don't go to meetings to stay sober. And the comments were, no, it's not. Uh, uh, well, because it's terrifying. I mean, when someone does that, it's the message that new people are going to hear is, oh, that guy can do it and I can stay sober. And that guy is an exception and we don't know what his story is. He right. might be right just a hard drinker that got in trouble and stopped drinking and put the plug in the jug like we don't know but i know that i'm a real alcoholic and when i don't do the steps i want to kill myself yes yes it's um the farther away you get from aa the worse it gets one of my favorite i um moments is i was listening to a lead and the guy had 42 years of sobriety and he went out and he came back in and they said what happened and he said, I had too many years in AA and not enough days. Yes. He just held on to how much time he had and he didn't do anything now. Yes. And I, I heard about the same thing from a guy who went out of 20 years. You know, he said, I didn't have that many one days at a time. It was just time. It wasn't, he didn't do anything with the time. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, this uh, number one was we admit we were powerless over alcohol that our lives have become unmanageable. Um, two, uh, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I would admit to anybody I was crazy. That was easy. Um, that was my nickname, Crazy Carly. But I, that's in high school, they called me Crazy Dave. Well, we, that's why we love each other. Um, and uh, to the, number Three was we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Now, that, that one was really hard for me um, because it's, again, I'm going back to my Marine Corps, is, is you're taught that, that you, you are in charge of your destiny. Mm -hmm. You and your rifle are in charge of your destiny. It's either you or them. Mm -hmm. and, and I held on to that. You know, I, he, I don't know if it was bravado or, or what, but I held on to that. And, and so, you know, God was, was something other people talked about. Right. God didn't care for people like me. You know, I was such a bad person. Why would God care about me? Well, you know what's so cool, Dave, is that today that actually is true. It's, but it's instead of rifle, it's God. So it's you and God are in charge of your destiny. Yes. If you want to spend the rest of your life being miserable, go for it. And if you want to do something about it, then do something about it. So but, you can still honor that just in a different way. And that goes back to the old cliche. 
give us 90 days. Yeah. And, and if you want to be miserable, we'll refund your money. Yes, I love that. Um, number four was made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. That took me a while. That took me a while. Um, because uh, there was so much, I felt there was so much wrong with me. It's going to take me years to do this. So you got to make it perfect. You got to write the great American novel, which is not what we need to do. Oh, um, uh, five. Uh, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. That uh, in itself is okay. I could once I found God, I could admit to Him what I did, um, and I could admit to myself. Um, but admitting to someone sitting across from me and having them judge me. No, I wasn't going to do that. That was against everything that I stood for, like on, on 58, when it says that the results are nil until we let go absolutely of our old ideas. My number one survival skill out there was rule number one, don't trust anyone. Right. And now you're telling me, I, not only am I not allowed to drink anymore, now I have to tell you all of my stuff? Yes. I, are you, they're going to kill me. Like, I can't do this. Yes. And I try not to do it. And what happened when I tried not to work the steps is I wanted to kill myself. Yes. Yes. Um, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Now, I felt that my defects of character were my shield. They were. Until they, killed, until they almost killed us. Right. But if you take them away, what's going to be left of me? Right. Who's Dave going to be? Yeah, who am I going to be if I don't have those? Right. And... Uh, there again, Ro told me, she said, well, there are some character defects that do help you. They're not all bad. They're not. But that's why we don't get to decide which, go, which is going away. God does. Right. God takes them. And there again comes another sponsor who gave me a God bag. Is that like a, a God box where you put something in it you're done with? Take it away? Put it on the windowsill and give it to God. It's not yours. Your God bag. Give it to him. It's not yours. Um, uh, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. And, and that, that, that one is so confusing to people, but all you have to do is ask. Yeah. It's just saying, I can't do this anymore. I need your help. Right. Um, it's just a prayer. Right. Right. Uh, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And I can honestly tell you, my sponsor had me make a list of, the people I have to make amends to now, the people I will make amends to later. And never. People that I never will make amends yeah. to. I have to tell you, I have been in that never call them many times. Many times where yeah. I've run into I said I would never make amends to these people and I've run into them and they've taken the amends graciously. That's how a good sponsor does it because they know that it, we need baby steps. So we start with where you are, where are you willing? And yes. we keep going, we keep going. And they know that we're going to change if we keep making amends. And by the time we get to that never column, we're like, okay. I'm like, I trust God at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. I remember I, I was on an escalator at Macy's and I saw a guy that I used to work with that I harmed. And I said, okay, God put him right there. I have right. to say. So I stopped him and, and you know, we, we greeted each other. And I said, look, I have to make amends to you. And he said, for what? 
and I told him what for, and he goes, oh, man, I forgot about that a long time ago. And we shook hands, and we parted, and I've never seen him again since. But it, 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 there again, it was, it was something, it took something off of my heart. And that, he got to walk around free, so if you did bump into him at Macy's again, you yeah. wouldn't have to feel afraid anymore. Right, or, or avoid him. And I love the reminder, because I have had that experience so many times with people that are like, what are you talking about? Is the reminder that I can walk around with something gnawing at my soul. And a lot of people, because some people do remember our stuff, but a lot oh. of people have no idea what we're even talking about, because we take everything and make it massive. I have a brother that does that, and, and he's toxic, and I have to stay away. It hurts me, but I, uh, he's toxic to me. He, I just can't. Because it's, it, it's not the kind of life we want to live anymore. Oh, and we're twins, which makes it even harder. Because I we can't to, imagine. Um, Eight. Uh, and I continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. And this just, <laughs> this step blows the minds of people I work with. When I take responsibility for something I did. Because I work with a lot of young kids. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, oh, I didn't do it. No, Dave did it, you know, <laughs> me or whatever. And if I do something, they say, it was me. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it was a mistake and I did it. And, and they're and like, they, why are you telling people? And they look at me and, and, and my boss will say, yeah, Dave, you did. Okay, thanks. Right. And these young people say, why did you do that? You could have gotten in trouble. I said, no, you don't get in trouble. If I got in trouble, then I got in trouble. I admitted right. what I did. You know, we get to live free today. We get to live in a way of an honest, free life. And I own my stuff. Yes. Yes. Cause I'll, I'll give you an example. The other night I was closing the store and I had a guy come in at closing and he was very, he was just nasty right down the line. And I ended up getting nasty back. And as he was in line checking out and I walked over to him and I apologized to him. And, and he said, why are you apologizing to me? I said, because I, I reacted to your anger. And I don't know why you were angry, but you were. And I accept that. And he just looked at me and he said, you know, I was angry. And, and I did take it out on you. And I'm sorry. I and mean, that's, that's how can it you works. imagine, like, if you wouldn't have done that, he would have just kept taking that anger and continuing it. And who knows what he would have done with it when he got home or on the road. And or you would have not been able to sleep because no. you would have been laying there going, how am I ever going to find this guy again? And, and, or he could have gone home and told his wife, you know that guy at Heinen's? Yes. And that's, I don't want people to think that way. No, we want to be free today and we want to be good humans. Yes. Um, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Uh, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Uh, I, I, I still sit in my chair for an hour in the morning with my coffee. I pray and I meditate. When did you start doing a full hour? Um, when I retired from the post office at the, in the beginning. Uh, uh, when I retired, I, you know, I didn't know which, what to do or where I was going. And God said to me, Dave, you know, that you're retired now. And there's so many meetings you always wanted to go to during the day that you never got to go to. They're open to you now. And I was going to 11 meetings a week. Wow. 12, 
uh, you know, for the first two years I was, I was retired fully. Um, and that's where I made new friends and young friends and, and, you know, the newcomers and, and my whole life changed. But you would not have known that if you didn't take the time in 11 to hear what God had to tell you. Yes. Yeah. Let's hear step 12. Yeah, my iPad Dave died. Dave is back. He had a little digital problem, but we're right here. Let's take us through 12. Well, I, I'm sorry. I can't because my, I was, my big book is on my phone. Can I read 12? Yes. Okay. I love you. I'm sorry. My big book was on my phone and my iPad. Uh, my, let me tell you a quick story. Why Please. I don't. My granddaughter uh, had a, has a drinking problem. Okay. And last summer, my son called me and he said, that he said, Taylor needs you. She lived in, in Cincinnati. And I said, what's up? He said, well, she, she got caught drinking. She was an airline hostess. She got caught drinking on the job and they're going to fire. They want to fire her and she needs your help. I'm driving down there. He lives in North Carolina. So I met him in Cincinnati and we waited while she went through the meetings with her, her bosses. And she ended up getting fired that day. And I gave her my big book. And I said, use this till you get your own. And um, she still has it. She has her own, but she hasn't mailed me mine back yet. Because she wants it because it's yours. And, uh, and, and she's sober. So is she sober in Cincinnati or here? No, she moved back to North Carolina with her, with her family. And how, how, much, how long ago was that? A year ago. So she's a year sober? Yes. My son lives outside of Fort Bragg where he, he was in the army. What's and your granddaughter's he, first name? Taylor. Will you tell her that I am so honored that she is holding your big book and I hope she's using it to take other women through? She, you know what she said to me? She said, Grandpa, after I went to a meeting and I met so many fun kids, she said, I went home and I opened your big book and she said, I started reading the things you had highlighted. And I said, well, you read the book first, and then maybe those highlights will help you. <laughs> and she said, but you have so much stuff written on, uh, you know, on, on the side and, and on top. And I said, don't go by that. Those are my notes. You can read them later after you read. Read the first 164 pages, and then let me know. I love it. So, I love um, it. Well, so I'm going to finish 12. You can I'm, keep reading, and I'm we'll so go through I'm so proud it. of you. I love you. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We try to carry this message to alcoholics, which you clearly do, and to practice these principles in all our affairs, which you clearly do. Do you want me to read the last two paragraphs where we get yes. to ABC? Yes, please. Okay. Many of us exclaimed, what in order? I can't go through with it, but I definitely explained that many times. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to, ma to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress, which I found out the word progress means to move forward rather than spiritual perfection. Anything you want to say about that before I keep going? No, uh, other than <laughs> the, the spiritual perfection is is just you know it it, ne it never bothered me but i've had sponsees that said well, well why does it have to be perfect and and i've you know as i told them you know it doesn't have to be perfect 
Carly, I have six guys I sponsor. I have no new new guys. Uh, I, all the guys I have have 25 years or more. And I sponsor a guy that I have 35 and he has 40. And, yeah. and that blows my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. One of my sponsees became my sponsor. We still sponsor each other because she has what I want and I have what yes. she wants. And when you're working... When you're walking side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and you're doing the same work, you're in the same water. Yes. Well, and you know, uh, I, let me tell you someone else who's helping me is, as, as you know, Rita Weinberger and I are in a relationship. Actually, yeah. we're, enga we're engaged. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And, and we're not seeing each other now because she has, I mean, we, we, we see each other, but she has uh, uh, underlying health conditions. And I'm, You're in, at, at a grocery I'm store. in the public yeah. every day, so we yeah. can't be close yeah. like we were, but we're carrying on and we yeah. talk every day and I take her food because she can't get out shopping yeah. and, and I take care of her. And, and, and she has helped me a lot too through this COVID thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, my husband lives in another state, so I totally get it. For 80 days, we didn't get to see each other and it's, it's not easy, but you know, what you learn about relationships in this program, if you keep doing the work and you stay here, is it's not always about what everyone thinks it needs to be about. It's about getting to get close in a whole different level. Yes, yes. I'm going to um, read this last part. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after may clear three pertinent ideas. And I was told to turn these three into questions. So I'll read them. It says, A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. It's B, that probably no human could have relieved our alcoholism. And C, that God could and would if he were sought. Yes. And if you, it, it, it's those, those three things are, to me, when I got to that part, when the light came on and the spiritual awakening happened, it hit me. Yeah. And I, I cried. Yeah. You know, I For me, cried. being convinced of those three led me to the real work, which was, okay, you know this truth. You can't do this by yourself and you need help. Let's go. Right. Right. And, and you know, in the past year, I've gone through a really hard time with my kids. Um, they're adults. My son is 50. Uh, my, and his sister's 40. She just turned 48. Uh, my youngest son, we're estranged. He doesn't talk to me. Uh, He's a, he, he was afraid he was going to become me, he told his brother. Uh, and I understand that. Uh, my son and daughter, we, everything was cool up until about two years ago when they got into therapy. Mm. My son got in because his marriage was on the rocks. You know, being in the Army 28 years, being in Iraq and Afghanistan nine years out of, out of, out of that, those, those 27, you know, uh, takes the toll on, on a military family. I can't imagine. And it's not just the person, it's the whole family. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything where, you know, there was another person involved, you know, it was just the strain of, of him not being there all the time. And uh, uh, so he got into therapy and all of his childhood came up. Of course. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if you've heard me lead, but you know, it, I, I had a really hard time forgiving myself for what the childhood that those kids had, you know, it was not pretty. It was terrible. Yeah. And I take responsibility for that, you know, and alcohol ran my life. You know, it, it didn't let me be 
the parent I wanted to be. But for for 30 years of my sobriety, I was that parent. And, now, and now all of a sudden, to them, I'm not that parent. I'm that guy again. But I can tell you this. I grew up in an alcoholic home. My parents were 38 and 40 when they got sober. And I've got to tell you that you just get to be the lighthouse. In a lighthouse stays still and it doesn't chase the storm. It just stays still with its light on, doing your work, because whatever your son's going through, he will, God willing, come back. And you just oh. get to be there and be the lighthouse because I, I don't look at my parents anymore as the life I had with them growing up in that alcoholic home because Alcoholics Anonymous gave us an entirely new life and that's his stuff. And if he gets to keep doing the work, he will come back and see who you are today. That's true. He has. He has. My daughter, on the other hand, is, we're working on that. Because a, a year ago, he, well, not even a year ago, but just before this COVID thing, there was supposed to be a movie coming out about a father and son military team. Mm. And the father was a Vietnam veteran. The movie's out. I can't think of the name of it. Um, there was supposed to be a screaming in, screening in Willoughby. And he was going to drive up here and we were going to go to it together. Mm. And, and I saw the trailer and, and what it boils down to is the son who's an Iraq and Afghanistan veteran is going through PTSD and he doesn't know it. Mm -hmm. He refuses to believe it. He's one of the naysayers that says it's a crutch. It's, there's no such thing. You're a, you're a wuss. And I've suffered through PTSD for years. I've been in therapy at the VA for years. And, and the, night, the nightmares are far and few between now, but they still come. Uh, they put me on medication, which I've been on for years, for depression and anxiety, and they've helped. Um, and I kept telling my son, you know, you need to talk to someone about what's going on. And then he retired. And when you retire from the military, that's when it hits you. Because you're no you longer have, doing the work that you're supposed to be doing. And you don't have those guys that were there, you know, that, that, that you could that talk know, to. And that understand. That know what you went through. And so he saw this trailer for this movie and he called me and he said, dad, I get it. Hmm. I get it. I get what, what happened to you. Cause it happened to me. Yeah. And I said, and I said, son, I, I tried to tell you that, you know, the first time you go back from Iraq that you need to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Cause we both have horror stories. Of course. Um, you know, when you're in combat, it, it, it it's it's nobody knows what it's like unless you've been there how can you and it's it's uh it, it's again i, I can I, relate I to the idea that you're talking about in terms of not obviously being in war but like i have ptsd from my son and from going through all the scary stuff with my son and right now Three doors down from here, one of my other son's best friends is going through war. He's got a horrible form of cancer. He's going to be 13 this month. And he started his first round of chemo after a big surgery. And I know what that mother and father are going through because yes. I've been on that battlefield. And yes. no one can tell. And that's the beauty of the steps that you just went over is because if we take that as our foundation, we are able to connect with people that need our stories in ways yes. that nobody else can Yes. And, and there, again, there, there are people that, that what I went through with Claire, 
that have had their spouse. They come to you. They come to you. They know. Because they know the hell we the hell we go through, and yeah. I call it that because it is. Um, and you, you know what? We only want to talk to someone who gets it. Right, right, and you get it. And you have so many gets it. Like all of those dark stories are lights for other people. Yes, and and you know those. I never talked. We were when I came. We Vietnam veterans. When we came home, we were told, "I don't want to hear it. Don't talk about it." You know, and, and you don't you don't really talk about the the horrible things that you you suppressed, that that you buried in the back of your head because it was just too horrible to even think about. But yeah, when you're home and this PTSD attacks you, they come back, and the faces come back of, of guys that 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 aren't here, you know, and 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 they're real. And, you know, there's a, there's a saying about Vietnam veterans is, uh, we left Vietnam, but Vietnam didn't leave us. Yeah. You know, we never really came home. How can it? Um, uh, 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 I forget how many years ago they had a Marine Week downtown. Mm-hmm. And they do this period, every year. They go to a different city that has water. And they do, you know, a waterfront. And they do a Marine Week. And someone said, Dave, I want to take you down there. It's Marines, you know. So I said, yeah, I'd like to do that. So I put on my Marine Corps hat and I went to this thing. And, and I'm walking around, I'm talking to these young Marines, the combat-hardened Marines, and guys that haven't been in combat. And, and say, you were in Vietnam, man. Wow. You know, we heard it was terrible. How was it? And I'm walking down the street, and there's a tug on my, on my shirt. And I turned around, it was a little boy. And he had a Marine Corps hat on. I'm going to cry. I always cry when I do this. And he said, my dad said I should come over and tell you. Welcome home. And, and, you know, nobody said that to us. Nobody said, welcome home. We didn't get any parades. We were the bad guys. There was so much unrest in the country. It was such a mess. And, and that little boy, I wanted to hug him, you know. And his father came over and shook my hand. And his father said, you know, I was never in the military, but I wanted to bring my son down here to it's see the hero. hero. Yeah. That we know. Yeah. And uh, you I know love that, you, Dave. That, welcome home. Well, thank you. And and you know, it's funny when I when I uh, when I see someone with a Vietnam vet hat, I always go over and I say, "Welcome home, brother." I'm gonna. You know what? You know? I'm gonna do that for the rest of my life. And uh, you know, I'll. <laughs> I'm gonna tell them that my fellow Marine Vietnam vet told me to tell you, "Welcome home." Um. And you don't know what it means to to a, a Vietnam vet when, I don't. when someone other than a Vietnam vet says "Welcome home." I'm going to do it. I you've it's, given me so uh, many gifts today, but that's probably the biggest one. It's just. Uh, uh, I hope Frank Harnaker got that when he passed. I hope he felt that welcome home. I'm sure he did. Yeah, I'm sure I, he did. I miss him. I me too. I um, it. Uh, you know, there were there were a lot of uh, young uh, Iraq and Afghanistan vets that, that I got to know when when I retired from the Marine. You know, going to so many meetings when I retired from the post office. Uh, Josh, uh, yeah. G, yeah. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, and uh, he and I were trying to start a meeting for veterans only. That's but, really cool. But you can't because the meetings 
we were told by central office that it yes, has to be. But open. You, you know. can now because it's COVID. And you can do whatever you want. So oh, you we could do it. Yeah, we could do it. We could do it on Zoom. The yeah. entire world. Right. Right. Thank you um, so much, Dave. I love you so much. Oh, I love you too, Carly. You are such a sweetheart. You made um, my whole day. Oh, thank you. You made mine too. Thank you. Welcome um, home. Thank you. Thank you so much. And tell Taylor that we want to connect because we need more women helping us out. I will. I will. She, she just turned, uh, last September, she turned uh, 27. You need to hook her up with me. I will. I, I will. love you. I love you too. Welcome Take care. Home. Thank God you. bless. Thank you. Bye-bye.